0: Hello everybody. Welcome to Mindful Mondays with Culture Shock Investments very own Michael Clark and Humble Monarch's very own CEO, Derek Howell. We're gonna be breaking down some mental health tips to help you not only throughout life, but throughout your financial journey as well, because I believe in health over wealth. All right, let's tap in.
1: Derek, go ahead and say hello to the people, man. What's going on, everyone? Uh my name is Derek Howell, I'm a licensed psychotherapist, uh, social worker by trade, and yeah, like these conversations are much necessary, so let's let's dive right into it. All right, so let's go into this, the 40-hour work week. First thing
0: we want to do for you guys is break down some numbers, all right? I want to get, you know, I'm a numbers guy, so I want to jump right into a few statistics, and after that, you know, then we'll get into our personal opinions and kind of get deeper into the lingo of what what we're trying to get at here with breaking all this down to you. But um, let me start with breaking down some of the uh, happiest countries in the world, because we're talking about mental health here. So I want to start with the happiest countries on the world. And I'm not just coming up with this off the top of my head. This is actually rated and scaled and measured. And these are accurate reports that are placed out there for us to see. So right now, as of 2021, I'm going to give you the top seven happiest countries in the world. And we have number one being Finland. Finland had a happiness score of 7.82. This is on a scale of one to nine, by the way. So you have Finland with a 7.82 score. You got Denmark right behind it with a 7.6. You got Switzerland in there with a 7.5. And you have the Netherlands with a 7.4. Norway, 7.3. I always want to go to Norway. And Sweden, 7.3. It's funny. I wanted to visit two of those countries, Denmark and, and Norway. I want to go visit. They got some family out there. Norway? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I got some <laughs> family out there. But... um. Uh, actually, now I think about it, my uncle from out there he is always smiling and laughing. He's just a happy, pretty happy dude. <laughs> so,
1: Not so uh, much worries, man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so let me talk about now. I'm gonna correlate the happiest countries in the world with the change in work hours for the happiest countries between the years of 1998 to 2013, and we'll see if we could draw some correlations here. So um, Denmark used to work. And about 36.1 hours a week, their work hour, their weekly work hours are down to 33.6, which is a six well almost 7% reduction. Uh, Finland, we used to work 39, well, 40 hours a week, 39.9 hours. And now they're down to 36 hour work weeks, 9% over that time span. The Netherlands was at 31 or 32 hours. And they're down to 30 hours now. That's down by 5.5% there. Uh, The Iceland used to work 42.1 hours a week. They're down to a 39.6-hour work week. Norway, then a 36-hour work week. They're down to 34.5-hour work week. That's down 4 or 5%. And then you got Sweden, thirty-seven hour work week. They're down to thirty-six hours, and they're about two percent down. So, looks like all the happiest countries in the world seem to be finding ways to work less and less over the last, I want to say, uh, twenty years. Because that's nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand thirteen, and I believe those numbers remain consistent going forward. But that's the that's the more the most recent report I found online, and um. Let me go down. I wanted to go ahead and kind of correlate the fact that, yes, I'm pointing out the fact that the happiest countries in the world do work a lot less on us than the USA does on average, right. but I do also want to point out the fact that these countries do have much lower populations as well, like Finland, their population is looking like five and a half million you got Denmark five point eight switzerland eight point seven so the population of these countries comparative to the USA who has a population our population is around like 360 300 oh I said 334 million eight hundred and five thousand people you know our happiness rating is actually a six point nine on the scale and that's actually down that's down from a year ago, from 6.95, so we're down a little bit, but um, right now, like I said, we have a lot more people to cater to, and that that scale is based on a, a lot more people's responses, so I think that as a whole, you look at it, we're doing pretty all right as a country, but we have a long way to go, and that is us as a country as a whole. And you also have to remember the demographics of our country and the race demographic and breakdown of our country. So when you want to dig more into our community and how we are responding to this, to the um, economic situations that we're in, we have to make sure we we make sure we look at those numbers a little deeper. But um, the least happiest countries in the world, believe it or not. Uh, Number one, the top of the list is Afghanistan from what I found. is 2.5, happiness score. Uh, Zimbabwe, 3.14. Rwanda, 3.4. Botswana, 3.4. Lesotho, 3.5. Malawi, 3.6. Haiti at 3.6. Uh, Tanzania at 3.6. Yemen at 3.6. Uh, Burundi and India down there at three point eight, and India. One point out their population is one point four billion people, so uh, that's another thing to take in consideration there. But that happiness score is pretty low, and then you look at the economic conditions of a lot of those countries, and you could comparatively understand how the two connect because a lot of the countries that are in poor economic shape are most likely going to be in unhappy conditions due to the climate they're living in and also comparatively i want you to point out i want to point out that all of those countries I pointed down in the top in the bottom 10 uh, least happiest countries in the world they also all work at a much higher rate than we do they work about 2,000 hours a week about 1,900 to 2,000 hours a week and us as the united states Average, We average about 1,800 hours, 1,850 hours a week working. I mean, a year working. So I think that averages out to about uh, a little bit over 40 hours a week. So I want to see how Derek could bring in his knowledge and kind of fill you guys in on what he sees the work week doing to us on a mental level and how some of these numbers – could um be affected by adjusting a work week and noting oh I also one thrown there and then the statistic i found is that the working more during a week does not necessarily increase production in any sense it's actually known to find out that working more than a certain amount of hours creates a decrease a drastic decrease in production so that is debunked theory. So don't. I know for a fact that working way more is not going to solve anything for anybody that's in any disparage economic condition. So we have to find some kind of happy medium here that caters to growth, not only uh, financially, fiscally, but mentally and for our our spiritual health as well, our physical health. So I just want Derek to bring in some of his his information and tell us where he sees uh, mental health standing right now versus uh, financial health.
1: Yeah. And before I do that, I want to comment on something that you shared. I think it was interesting that, you know, we look at some of these countries and we measure the population to happiness, right? Like there's so much more people here, in America and the happiness is, is lower. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. I think through travel, we can learn so much because I know that personally I've seen some of the happiest people in situations and in an environments that there may not have been as many resources, right. Or to the outside looking in, we can identify it as poverty. But when you're in this place and you still feel a sense of love how that can equate to your situation so i just think that was something very interesting to point Mm -hmm. out but yeah you know when we look at over the past few years let's just start from there uh a lot of things that has been coming up more for people in a reason of conversation is surrounding work-related stressors. So if you see the implications that this pandemic has caused on specific environments, like in workplace environments, like if we look at healthcare and education and, you know, even transportation, right? Like there's strikes going on right now for truck drivers, right? There's shortages in all Healthcare setting and in education setting, and we know that the style of work has changed, right? During this pandemic, and people are working remotely. Like to your point, productivity has taken a whole new meaning because we are now prioritizing wellness, and new health initiatives are coming out, and less work, and also remote work and hybrid styles. The numbers and the productivity measures are still rivaling the ones that we were seeing before this shift of what it means to work and what it means to work in a workplace and in a work setting. So, yeah, I think that there is an additional conversation for workplace burnout because Mm -hmm. everything has changed right the the nature of what it means to, to go to work right before go to work was you know get your car warmed up drive sit in traffic and then you <laughs> to the workplace right yeah, now yeah. it would be start a cup of coffee put on a shirt and sit down and work right down so, from the computer right two completely different um, narratives so in addition to like the burnout in a workplace what about the income right what sense of purpose and fulfillment are you getting at this this place of of work and you know to our larger conversation having a 40 hour work week at a job versus being an entrepreneur or self employed like that that comes with different means to take care and really address some of the the stressors and some of the, the reasons that's causing that burnout. All
0: right. Now, how do you, so how do you feel, do you feel that working less hours, would you would you feel that working less hours is something that would be beneficial for our society as a whole, our American society as a whole, which was built upon the whole work hard mm-hmm. and enjoy the work Yeah, mentality. You know, I think that was kind of introduced over time because throughout history, even throughout times of man, there have been times throughout mankind that we have been known to work harder during times of innovation, creation, and necessity. You know, it's usually out of necessity, but now I feel like uh, that that drive to want to work hard or push to work hard and that promotion of working hard. It's not so much out of necessity anymore as it is out of out of some of it could be out of greed, you know, out of just trying to squeeze as much out of something as you can. Yeah, it's not really needed, you know. It's more so to push for certain things to get done that aren't all all needed for us to advance. You know, it's like certain mm-hmm. people are working forty hours a week and uh, fifty hours a week and some jobs that really, really do not require that much. That much drive or work behind it, you know, it really, it really doesn't deserve that much time out of your life, and it's not adding that much to society and what you're doing and giving that much time, you know, mm-hmm. which is why I think a lot of those jobs and a lot of those things are going to end up being replaced by by automation in a sense, which is which is the direction <laughs> I feel like a lot of things are going with AI,
1: yeah,
0: and replacing a lot of those jobs to try to, and I think that could be good to try to push people towards towards being more creative and working and working less. They're more so creating things that are gonna push us forward as a society. But I just wanted to know like how do you feel about us working less than 40 hours a week? Do you think that's going to really help us?
1: So to answer your question, and I and I think you elaborated on it, which is does working less benefit us, right, and if we're talking about us as individuals, us as a community, the larger society, right, like we can see and I can speak to personally, my idea is that we all need a form of a sabbatical, right, which we know mm-hmm. is some time of rest and break before work, right, and we know that there are some people who are fortunate enough to take gap years, for example, right? So after Mm -hmm. you finish like your four-year degree or a master's level degree, you take a year to rest, figure out what you want to do, maybe volunteer, maybe travel, like all of those things are necessary because it gives us a sense of identity, right? So like you shared, that work hard mentality, work hard culture grinds, you know, it's work hard, you get what you deserve, maybe, and then you die. Right. And it's like that adage is outdated. And we yet yeah, do have to look at the production levels and the ability to access different parts of our world, of our relationships mm-hmm. through less work. Right. And I, and I think that we can achieve that if we are working and doing work that's more impactful and really fostering these systems, right, in place and relationships that are in place that can allow us to work more and yet achieve great results.
0: Okay, go, go. I feel that. Now, I want to I wanna take it there with you because, you know, we're both Black brothers and I want to know, in our community in particular, I know a society as a whole, how it may be beneficial to work less so you could have more, that time with the family, more of that time of uh, relaxation or more that time to think and be creative. But a lot of people would say in our communities, we don't have that time, so we have to work. And then some people say we have to work twice as hard because we are so far behind economically mm-hmm. that the 40 that if people are starting to work less, we should still continue to work more. You right. know, what is your th- what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that, that that's a healthy
1: approach? So here's how I make sense of it. It's we have to choose our difficult, right? So there's going to be a cost associated with starting, running a business, right? Whether you have a job or if you're jumping into entrepreneurship full time versus if you, let's say, have a 40-hour work week where you're at one location doing a specific job role. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you doing with your time away from that versus what you can be doing if you had, if not all of those 40 hours back in your week, but some of that time back, right? So if we talk about a shortened work week, let's, let's take it from... 20 hours, right? If you're working 20 hours a week Mm -hmm. and what does 20 hours look like, right? 20 hours can be two 10-hour days. And so if we were to say work two 10-hour days Monday and Tuesday and then you have Wednesday through Sunday to do whatever it is you need to do, right? Whether that be travel, spend time with family, work on your own ideas, uh, read more, like whatever it is. (laughs) How would that change our greater society's health? How would that change our family's dynamics? You know, one thing that I want to mention is the climate, right? Like, what is the climate of a situation, an environment? What is the climate of your workplace? What is the climate of your home and the relationship that you have with those other members in your home? Because that change over a measured period of time is what's going to tell us the plan of action, right? How do we approach this situation? So let me give you an example. So let's say you go to your, your job 40 hours a week and you had a stressful day, long day, and you've been helping people all day, answering questions you know maybe someone disrespected you in a in a way over the phone how are you processing all of this during the day because we know if you react in a certain way curse someone else out at work there's going to be ramifications for that right Mm -hmm. so you bottle that in you get in your car you go back home those emotions, those feelings are still there. Right. And so, you know, that's when, again, I pose the question, so what's the climate, right? If you open this door, you see people smiling, laughing, running around, happy. We know that we aren't robots. We can't press a switch, turn off our feelings and emotions, right? We can't automatically say, okay, I'm happy now. We can, and it, and it may feel that way because we want to just leave it all there, but we know, again, over time we it's may done. not always present in that, in that healthy way, in that way that right. we choose to show up. So really looking at do you have currently opportunities to do the things during your day, during your week that you need to perform at your optimal level? And what does showing up for your best self look like?
0: Right. That's how I'm looking at it. I say that that makes sense. Like what you're saying is like at some point, the compound effect of of that, the wear and tear of things that are happening at work, maybe through a certain amount of time, you're able to come home and put on that face. But over time, it does begin to wear and, and have an effect on your mental health. And then it's not only compounding with that because even entrepreneurs have trouble at work and have stressful days. But the difference in that sense is that unless you're in a job that you're ultimately looking at as being your career and that's where you really want to be, you're not only going through what you're going through at work, but you're going through that. And on top of that, you're thinking like, dang, I really don't even want to be here. Like, shit. Like, you know, like, I got to deal with this and I really don't want to be here. But I got to make this income in order to pay the bills, in order to make sure I stay afloat. And so I'm just going to have to deal with this. And like you said, bottle it, bring it home. And then sometimes you'll start, not being able to bottle it up and then you'll, you'll start unleashing whatever you're going through at work on the people at home or people that you love, the people that are closest to you. And that makes those, rela- those relationships become more toxic, you know? So, all
1: let right, right, let's, let's stay here for a moment. Let's go deeper because I'm glad that you brought that up. And thank mm-hmm. you. So, right, we also can look at the other side of things where you are maybe self-employed or entrepreneur and you are still let's just use the same exact time working 40 hours, right? Mm-hmm. So it may be phone calls and business meetings that didn't go the way that you would have hoped or planned for them to go. So there still may be the same level and the same exact stress that comes with that, right? If I don't close this deal, if I don't have this meeting, then I may not be able to provide. right? And And that's where, and that is the reason why it's so important to say, do you have the opportunities to do the things that you need to perform at the optimal level, right? Because maybe you have three scheduled calls as someone who is an entrepreneur or self-employed. Maybe after that, that third or fourth call, you can schedule a block of time where you don't talk to anyone else. And maybe you just need to, listen to some music or go for a walk right like mm-hmm. after that reset and not necessarily having a a time limit on it because you are aware that you may need more time to really deal with everything that you just felt from those first three or four calls versus a 30-minute lunch or a 30-minute break <laughs> right? Where that's the time that you have to process it or not process it if you choose to. And And then you're right back. Right back to work. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that is, you know, a huge piece that really needs to be discussed is what are those opportunities to, to really show up as your best self? And what does your best self look like? You know, maybe that 30 minute walk outside can be done as an entrepreneur or as someone who's working at a job but thirty minutes didn't cut it that day, right? So you right. starting from a place where you're not at your baseline, you're not at your, your level where you can navigate successfully in a healthy way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I wanna go ahead and say that, you know, you have you have to make sure you're able to operate success in a in a healthy way. Like I said, there's no there's no benefit in uh, overworking yourself either, you know? Because the more you overwork, you have have a degenerative effect on your output, you know? Like, yeah, you're still working, but you're maybe working sloppier now and you're making mistakes and you're doing errors because you've been working too long, you know? So it's always, you got to find a way to, like you said, go ahead and take that walk when you need to or go on a trip or go see your family, you know? Take moments like that. And you have more flexibility to do stuff like that when you are an entrepreneur and you're on your own time. And I think that's the main factor of what we're getting at here with the 40-hour work week is is time. That's what it really comes down to, which is the most valuable asset I believe we have is our time. And once you learn that and you learn how to manipulate your time to fit your lifestyle best, that's when I think you achieve a, a higher state of, of health and you're going to achieve a higher state of wealth as well. You know, initially it may be scary because taking back your time may require you quitting a job. You know, it may require you taking a leap of faith. It may require you, you know, stepping into something that may not be generating as much income as what you're doing now, but is giving you back a lot of your time. And and, and getting back your time, you of course want to get your time back with a plan. You don't take your You want to take your time back because, you know, you want something. You have something you're trying to do with your time, you know. You're not going to just get your time back and do nothing because then that's just a waste, you know, because then you're just going to sink further, you know, because now you're going to have your time back, but you're not going to have anything being, you're not trying to produce anything and you're not generating any kind of happiness for yourself. You know, you're just doing nothingness. You're sitting in nothingness. So I think having a plan and getting your time back are two things that you combine to help increase your health and your wealth you know and that and that is something that it compounds over time which is why i think people don't seem to realize is that initially you're starting off and it may not be producing much but every little bit you're producing in the beginning starts to stack on top of each other stack on compound 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 and then you'll look back and you say oh wow look all that time i had back look I developed better relationships with my family. I have uh, now I'm married and I have kids and now I also have a healthy, um, healthy business relationship. You know, now my business here started off slow, but now look at all the networks and connections and real networks that I made built over that time that I put into my business. And now you're gonna start seeing the generation generation of wealth being built. Now you're gonna see, oh man, now through that through all that time you put in, you invested. Now you really have some ownership and stuff. You know, now you're a business owner who owns... Now you're going to end up owning your own properties. Then you end up, you know, have ownership in these good relationships and strong networks you built over all that time you invested.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm also thinking because okay let's add this into the conversation as well right because there's going to be someone who says well i love my job right? Like, so you're saying if i'm unhappy at work then i should do these things but i actually love my job i feel fulfilled in my job right mm-hmm. and so i think it's it would it would be subjective for us to say do most people most people hate their jobs right because mm-hmm. that you know that can that can go a ton of different ways but i think a better question is does your job does your current role that you're in help you or hurt you over time in a long run? Mm-hmm. right? Because jobs aren't inherently bad, right? Like there are skills that you learn through jobs, right? In the same that Go Can Go and apply for a business. There's jobs and skills that you take away that will help you to develop as a person or you know if you are thinking about making that transition from a 40-hour work week to entrepreneurship there are skills and and things that you are acquiring through a job doing yep. specific tasks that you can you know utilize in the future and again all business ventures aren't inherently good right like nope. most businesses most ideas will fail and it's not because most businesses fail which is the fact right but most but there are ideas and business ventures that are just not good ideas right and it, it won't be successful for the market it doesn't serve a population so like i think we have to go deeper in that conversation of do you like your job? If not, then make the transition. But is this job going to be helping you and your family and your community in the long run? Or is it going to be hurting right. in, the, in the long run? Exactly. And that's how I agree with that. It's like,
0: you know, if you have, like I said, if you have your job and your job is fulfilling to you, and that's where you're where you're um, going to be able to achieve your goals from and your plans from what you produce at that job. Because if you may have a job that pays you an income that allows you to achieve a goal that you're looking to accomplish outside of that and start building something outside of that and use your job to help build that other source of income that you're going to have. Because ultimately at the end of the day, being the finance guy, I understand that you can't have one source of income in this yep. world like you you can't have just your job or you, as an entrepreneur you can't just have just your business if you have just your business within your business you should have multiple business multiple streams that of, of services that bring you income if you have a job then you should be using your income from your job to go ahead and purchase things that are going to bring you residual income that are going to allow you to when you feel ready to retire from your job, if you love it, to have that freedom to do so and do so comfortably. And I think that what I see happening is that in our community is that we're doing a lot of the working, but we're not doing a lot of the wealth accumulation, you know, and that and that is compounding and leading to the continuing stress that we see in our in our society and people not feeling like they're getting anywhere. They're on a treadmill, kind of, in a sense, you know? Like, I don't know if you heard that report that came out saying that the net worth in in the Black community is supposed to be zero by 2050. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, that's crazy. It's like, I I don't believe that to be the case, but only way we're able to change that is by changing the strategy in which we're approaching wealth right now. Like if what we're doing is not working, they say that's the definition of insanity, right? Because keep doing the same thing expecting different results, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like if we gotta if we gotta change up the strategy and we had to pivot towards being more um involved in ownership and, and having complete ownership over things versus having a um employment under somebody, you know then that's the route we may need to pivot into in order to reclaim some of our our lost wealth, you know? Because right now, let me read you the stat I I brought down here. It says the the median wealth. This is the median wealth amongst Americans, and they start from the age of under 35. So you have the median wealth of single white men under the age of 35 is 22,640. And the median wealth of the single white woman that same age, six thousand four hundred and seventy. So the median wealth, everybody's the, in the middle. You know, it's the top and the bottom, with the, the wealth that's in the middle, that's the average. This is the average of people in that in that age range. And then you have the median wealth of black men at that age range is fifteen hundred and fifty dollars. And the median wealth of Black women at that age is one hundred and one dollars. Now, when I say wealth, people think of, oh, well, I make more money than that when I work my job. I get paid more than that in my job, or you know, um, I, I have more. I have more cash than that in my house right now. But that's not no. what wealth is. Right. Then how to measure wealth? Mm-hmm. And wealth is going to be measured by uh, your net worth. So it's your assets. And your liabilities, you know, so that's what you're really looking at when you're looking at, wealth. how much assets do you have to track to your liabilities and debt, you know? So you have to look at everything you own. People don't take into account their mortgages as, as a debt. People don't take into account all their student loans counting against what they have. People don't take into account car payments. All that kind of stuff counts against your wealth. So that's where they're drawing this number from. So. Now, let me move on to as we get older. As we get older in age, once we hit the age of 55 and we're more established than life and people usually have them um, in, integrated and ingrained in their careers by then, the, um, the median wealth of Black women only trails Black men until that point. And at that point of the age 55, Black women begin to hold $40,760 in median wealth compared to single Black men whose median wealth remains around $27,100. So we went from being $1,500 to $2,700, while the Black woman went from being at $100 to $40,000. So I think tying that into a lot of what goes on in our community as far as mental health and, and stressors and reactors to things that are happening in society. I think we underestimate the role that financial statuses play in those in those um, conditions, you know? Like I was saying earlier, like, I think PTSD is something that some people think only relates to people who've been to war. But you can have PTSD from a lot of things.
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah, man. And you know, to to get into it, just hearing those numbers, man, it's so alarming to me because if you're saying about 27000 right? Yep. Dollars is the median income for a single black male. Over 55, 55 and no. over. The age of fifty-five and older, right? And so we're talking about retirement age. We're also talking about Mm -hmm. well considered, right? Traditional retirement age, but we're also talking about health. And so if I'm just hearing twenty-seven thousand dollars, that could be probably compared to someone who is making about fifty, sixty-five thousand dollars before taxes, or excuse me, Mm -hmm. after taxes, right? Mm -hmm. We say and. If And I'm just I'm just doing a quick calculation in my head, but cause when I heard you say $27,000, I'm thinking about cost of living, right? I'm thinking about yep. health care. We're talking about someone over the age of 55, right? There's likely to be a decline in health. There's yep. going to be frequent appointments needing to be made for eyes, dental, vision uh, – well, not vision, but, like, just other medical concerns, issues, mm-hmm. sur- potentially surgeries, Right. And that's not even to add in lifestyle of basic needs, clothing, shelter. So so already it's like you're set up. You're set up for failure in that sense of being a 55-year-old individual, little to no assets, and still having to maintain a level of functioning and completing mm-hmm. these daily life activities like, for like a 40 hour
0: work week like you still expected to work 40 hours at that point in time you know exactly like I mom, 60 years old So it works 40 hours a week you yeah. know what i'm saying so i think that's where I, that's where we get in that with this this work week like is that a healthy standard like where is that helping our community where's working 40 plus hours a week bending fitting us as a whole on a not only not does it not benefit is it not showing us progress over time on the financial scale it has not helped us at all on a mental health scale as well so Mm -hmm. is mad we might as well have been focusing as a community as this whole time i think on more so building families versus building building businesses because building the, the money we're making is has not changed has not all or the or getting jobs because the money we have been making has not been changing our communities. You know, it's like we have not been increasing our, our wealth at all by what we've been doing over the past. The only pivot in doing that, the only way we're going to be able to do that is by pivoting into ownership and starting to own land, own stocks, own equity and things, own bonds. And until we are pivoting in that direction, it, I think it's even more wise to focus on on building the family, you know, getting the marriage numbers up, getting more married Black couples, getting more getting more family units together that can combine their resources so we can help get these numbers up.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I want to mention when you brought up PTSD because I think that's a, a good point for us to touch on mm-hmm. in this, right? So let's first start by defining what not only PCSD is, is and what that can look like as far as actually diagnosing it. But let's also look at adjustment disorder, right? So, you know, adjustment disorder usually occurs within the first three months of the stressor. So if we're talking about uh, a loss or a change in job, right, or change in job responsibilities, um, those can be stressors and those symptoms are typically not lasting more than six months on average Mm -hmm. and then let's talk about ptsd which the symptoms are going to last longer than the a one month period of time and you may also see a delayed onset of those like from that initial period right so let's say for example if you are in a job Right or working a business and the first three months are horrible, like you're losing business clients, you are not meeting some of the job productivity numbers, you may begin to see a write-up, right, at work. You may get... Time and things like documented against you, Mm -hmm. which can be stressful, right? From a uh, production standpoint of, you know, being a failure or not hitting a certain goal, right? And we'll probably touch on that a little bit later, but someone can have PTSD at an unhealthy workplace environment, right? Someone can form PTSD by going to a job and they don't feel like they have a sense of identity or their voice is not considered or represented, right? Like all of those things can be distressors stressors that result in PTSD and the symptoms can, you know, look completely different from each and every person. And that's
0: true. And it depends on, like you said, the situation that you go through. But I think what we gotta realize is how do we, be, how do we as a, how do we become more aware of when this, when this stuff is happening? What do you see as the tactics that people could use? Because I want to give some solutions on how we can become more aware of identifying when those things are happening to us. You know, when you're experiencing some PTSD, when you're going through a situation where you'd be like, okay, this is a traumatic experience. And it's not just, uh, because I think in our society, we have a lot of the uh, toughen up, shrug it off, brush it off. Right. You know, don't be soft. Right. Kind of mentality. And so you go through a traumatic experience and and you'll try to push that all shrug it off and try to be tough. And then... Later on, it's still affecting you, you know, it's affecting you in a deep way. Whatever experience you just went through, whether it had been losing your job or getting evicted or maybe um getting divorced or, you know, whatever this traumatic experience may have been, sometimes people tend to downplay or underplay it and not seek out the. You think it's the, the seeking of help? You think that's what we need to do? That's, that's how I would think about it. I think that we lack the the reaching out in our community. We don't really go out to seek therapy or seek help from professionals such as yourself?
1: Yeah. So let me start by saying, and we'll go back to the analogy of climate, right? It's we have to assess what the climate is before we digest, right? Classify what it is so that we don't make assumptions. And so, yes, external resources, talking you know, going to therapy, having healthier relationships, right? And I think that's to your point, right? Family, successful mm-hmm. relationships that lead to marriages, right? All of these things are are helpful because we also know that black men and black women who are in healthy marriages have a reduced rate of violent activities, suicide rates. Mm poverty so we're talking how influential and important this family structure is as a system to growing these healthier communities so to get back to this portion of assessment right there can be this initial assessment of you know let's let's talk about therapy or getting my mental health addressed right we have to identify what's going on and what i really want to share with everyone is the notion of controlling what you can control right you brought up a few factors right and oftentimes we know external factors we may not have complete ultimate control over them right if someone in our family loses a job Mm -hmm. right if and, and we can just talk about over the past few years of COVID, COVID right? COVID, yep. Furloughs and layoffs, people get sick, their health gets compromised, lack of resources, lack of supplies. So all these different things, it's changing the climate of the situation of a household, of a community. So being able to identify and assess what do you see and what do you choose to do with the lens that you are seeing through, right, and, and looking through and, and causing you to react in an appropriate way, right? So therapy is not the end-all, be-all. And I was really pushing and, and challenging myself to go deeper in this over this uh, past week because we also know that it's helpful to have community yep. as well, like a healthy community. And that can be support groups for people. It can be a 12-step program, right, if you're dealing with substance abuse, right? Yep. And, and, and that's another thing that has to be added to the equation of health and wealth creation, right? Substances, addictions.
0: Yep, sometimes wealth creates substance addictions. So people get yep. wealthy and they yep. didn't deal with any tritials from their past and then exactly. they just start diving into substances with their wealth, using whatever wealth they got. Exactly. And they're going to numb the pain with drinking lean or doing whatever crazy got drugs. They okay. think it's going to numb the pain for them, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so so exactly what you're illustrating is that wealth and, well, let's, let's look at it from this standpoint. Having an abundance and having resources, right, access to things is very different than monetary things that we exchange for supplies, currency, right? Yeah. Because healthy relationships is a form of currency, right? Like that, that's filling me up. So, So, and I I want everyone to understand that money does not equal this wealth. There has to be acknowledgement, uh, accountability. There has to be a level of identifying what the mission is. What are these goals that i want to accomplish what is the vision of the larger family of the community and once we begin identifying these (laughs) things we will have now created priorities Mm -hmm. and we will be able to assess is me buying or bringing it back to our example is me going to work the most beneficial thing for me at this moment or is this going to be the most beneficial thing for the family or for the the family you know
0: and really looking at it
1: from that standpoint I would say is where we begin to start the work really identifying and assessing the climate and how we are going to choose after this assessment to therefore act and proceed forward
0: nice I like that solution right there bro I like that I like that and um, you know, from my angle, on the financial angle, you know, a solution I could bring to the table and present is we need to once we identify what it is we need to do, like you said, whether it's the job that's gonna help support right. the family, whether it's starting the business is gonna help support the family, mm-hmm. what we gotta make sure we do at that point is make sure we secure and what they call securing the bag, but yep. secure the bag. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> and make sure you have some kind of um, wealth left behind for the family that you have, for your kids and your grandkids. That's where the power of ownership and having things set up, where like trust, having your proper um, um, will set up properly, your trust Absolutely. set up properly, having, yeah. you know, inheritance left behind in order to give your your the next generation that that leg up that that you didn't necessarily didn't have and as each generation continues to do that that's how you build yourself back up in the race so as you put your stock ownership in trust as you put your properties that you bought into certain inheritances and pass them down you're giving that next generation that head start that majority of our community does not get when they start announcing in their professional careers you know so when you have that flexibility and you have that ability of an, of an inheritance that allows you to think differently in the way we're talking. It's like when you're thinking and you're sitting down, you say, do I have to work 40 hours a week to support my family? No, I don't because I have ownership in this, this, and that, and that already. Yeah. So then your mind starts working differently. You start thinking on a more creative level. Mm-hmm. You start thinking like, hmm, I don't have to do these things. So now what do we go from what I have to do to what I want to do? Uh, you start thinking about, what do I want to do today? You know, like, what do I want to build? How do I want to contribute to society? Yep. And that's when you really start tapping into your skill sets and you start discovering what you really can contribute. And I think that's when we're operating at our peak. You know, when we're, we're in a state of, of comfort and we're in a state of creativity. You know, it allows you to be creative when you don't have a a survival mindset. You're not always trying to survive every day.
1: Yep, I'm glad you went there, man, because that was those are two points. Right. So, you know, what I've been sharing with my community is getting back to this childlike state and childlike mentality where you are free and encouraged to explore and create and navigate and learn Mm. who you are and what's around you, right? Because that is an active part of child development, who you are and what's around you, right? And You're making sense of everything. And something else that you brought up, man, which was phenomenal, it's that state of hypervigilance versus being vigilant, right? Because yep. we know that being vigilant is normal, right? Being yep. aware yep. of your environment and your surroundings, right? Like, I still am in the place of backing in and making sure I park a certain way, mm-hmm. because that is just being aware. It's like, okay, if anything is to go or change, I'm aware and prepared for it, right? Yep. Versus being hyper-vigilant, and when we go back and, and talk about like these stressors, right? We talk about PTSD and and things like that it's not being able to flip that switch off of being vigilant where you're in a state of constant arousal and Mm. being hyper vigilant and we know that we cannot create at our optimal levels and be the best version of ourselves and we're in a place of hyper vigilance And, and that can be in any environment right if I'm always on attack or in defense because I know when I come in with this hairstyle at work, I'm going to have to deal with these questions and yeah. people are going to talk to me in this certain way, right? That yeah. state, how do you perform your best work, right? It, it's going to be very difficult to do that. And if you are able to perform and produce that best work, how long can you sustain that?
0: Yep. Yep, at a, in a healthy state until yep. you're unleashing it. And then you, you may not unleash it at work, or you do, and you totally. get fired, or yep. you bring it home, and then you end up damaging the door at home.
1: home. Yep,
0: you know. And yeah. either way, it's gonna be bad. So, yeah, See so, yeah, okay. You know, and I think what we have to touch on coming up, like we're gonna spread this into our next episode on next week on Mindful Mondays. We want to talk about that famous saying right there, the crab in the barrel mindset.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's what we got to address next week. Because mm-hmm. yes. I think um, just the saying itself is pretty funny, but we're going to address what that saying means, what it means to be crab in the barrel, and how we're going to break out of that whole trend and continue on our journey of, of healthy minds and wealthy pockets and, and building generational wealth. All right, so I appreciate y'all for joining us this Mindful Monday. This is Michael with Culture Shock, and it's my guy Derek with Humble Monarchs, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us on Mindful Mondays. If you learned anything today, and I mean anything, make sure you follow Culture Shock Investments on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Culture Shock Investments. Visit the website, cultureshockinvestments.com, and make sure you follow following Derek Howell as well on Instagram at counselorhowell, Howell. And visit his website, HumbleMonarchLife.com, for more information and mental wellness tips. Look forward to talking to you guys next week. And lock in.